Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final installment of the Spooky Council exclusive. In this final episode, after having taken a look at Mike Flanagan's Haunting Saga on Netflix, uh, check out those two videos right now, uh, the Spooky Socialists are now going to rank our top five favorite Mike Flanagan projects. We hope you'll check some, if not all of these out this Halloween, where we all hope you will stay inside, eat till you have a heart attack and get your spooky on. So joining me today is fellow uh, spooky socialist herself, the spooky socialist, Natalia. Natalia, say hi to everyone. Hi, I'm editing my list because I don't like it anymore, but hello. Um, we call ourselves the spooky socialist, not because this is related to um, spooky times, but because we like horror and we are both socialists. Perfect. Yes, that's exactly it. So the way this will work is I will go first with my number five and then Natalia and then we'll continue like that until we reach number one. So do you all know what our number one will be? Maybe you all know us really well. Maybe you don't. But let's just get into this and let's find out. So Natalia, you ready for this? I think so. Perfect. Let's get started. So my number five, I will have to say that my number five was easy to pick. It's my number four to number one that were like ranking children. It was very difficult, but my number five is The Haunting of Bly Manor. The Haunting of Bly Manor is a very, very good gothic horror story. Um, it's also a love story, a very effective one uh, with many different love stories in the show, but it just did not work 100% of the time for me. Um, and unfortunately, when you're just, when you're a really good show, that's what lands you at the bottom of a Mike Flanagan ranking because he's typically like, I feel like he's typically working at an 11, but Haunting of Blind Manor is at like a nine. And a nine would be good for literally anybody else. But when it's Mike Flanagan, you need just a little bit more. Unfortunately, the Haunting of Blind Manor is my number five. Natalia, tell us all, what is your number five? My number five is Hush. Ooh, um, ah. Ooh, ah. Um, mainly just because um this is a lot of my list is based upon who i see mike flanagan as and i can see who he kind of has become because of this um so it's mainly just from that uh i i really do love the concept of deaf girl alone and being perceived by men and and being hunted and being victimized um it's an amazing concept it truly is and it was um, greatly executed uh i just think out of all of these I, I feel like it is the weakest of the bunch that's interesting uh i really love hush was actually the first mcflanagan film i ever saw um same but you know i same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very good. I think it is very good. You know, Hush is actually my number four. Um, I think that it's incredibly tense. I think the film is so incredibly tense. You cannot get more tense than this movie, especially when the killer himself is so evil and so predatory. And you know how vulnerable our heroine is. And when you have all that combined with solid direction, you know, a really solid um house and a very good plot, you know, a very good concept, I think you're setting yourself up for a very good time. And every single time I watch Hush, I'm frightened. That's something that's very rare. So one, it's one of the rare movies that continues to frighten me upon rewatch. Some movies will scare people, but then they won't scare them anymore. But Hush continues to at least get a solid one or two jumps out of me 
every time I watch it. So Hush is my number four. I actually really love the movie. I would give it like a nine, nine out of 10, like a hundred percent. I think it's amazing. My biggest problem with the movie is that like with some of Mike's films, I kind of think that they all could have played in cinemas if they just were given like a more fair shot. Like if they were given, you know, like a bigger budget and like a big studio, like five or 10 million more dollars and like studio back release in cinemas. I think that he'd be way more respected than he was. And I think it's a shame that people have not given him that opportunity, except with like Ouija and Dr. Sleep and stuff like that. So here's to my client in getting more theatrical work. But as for now, Push is my number four. My number four is a Mike Flanagan film that uh, was made for Netflix. Um, can oh, you no. guess what it is? I think I can. You're killing yes. me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I have more of a connection to all of, I have a better and stronger connection to the other works above it than Gerald's Game. No, it's absolutely nothing against Carla Gugino. Um, but I don't know. I again, I really like the constant thematic line of in both of these films, which is um, one's own trauma, victimization, and the way that women are perceived by men. Um, that I feel like is a great factor and foundation for both of these. Um, I don't know, I just felt like this one was, compared to the things above it, um, it does have a bit more of a Mike Flanagan feel. The hush didn't, doesn't feel super Mike Flanagan-y to me, um, but this does. So that's probably why I like it a little bit more. Um, you get the iconic Mike Flanagan, I'm going to mangle your hand thing, which he brought up again in Dr. Sleep with uh, Rose the Hat's hand. Um, and it was, it was very solid, albeit a little slow. Um, but I really did enjoy it. And I love this great theme of the perception of women their own victimization and the the trauma and the ability to overcome trauma yup it's a pretty phenomenal movie uh gerald's game is phenomenal i love the themes the themes of you know breaking out with the handcuffs not just that that were placed on you literally but also metaphorically throughout her entire life like the lead, I can't remember her name, and it's making me so sad. But Carla Gugino's character has had these shackles placed on her by men in her life, and I love that the, the final, like at the end of the movie, you know, she breaks out like with the hand. That's such a gruesome scene; it's horrible to watch. But then you know, it's 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 kind of amazing in a way as well. But then you get your final showdown where she faces down the Moonlight Man, and she just says this line and it's just so beautiful that Gerald's Game is my number three. Just that's why I'm talking about No, So Gerald's Game is my number three. It's such a beautiful movie. I rewatched it Friday night. There were rumors um, and it's just, it's phenomenal. I highly recommend you all watch it. You know, a fun fact, fun Mike Flanagan fact. So in the movie, she, um, there happens to be a dog that 
is eating her husband because you know her husband it's not a spoiler to say her husband dies her husband dies at the very beginning of the movie and then a dog happens to start eating on her husband well she gets a book off of a shelf and she throws this book at the dog to make him go away what is that book called well that book just so happens to be called midnight mass what is midnight mass midnight mass is now currently a show that is in production right now they're shooting with Mike Flanagan, a showrunner, six episodes long. I'm so excited. So I think it just goes to show you all that Mike Flanagan is the GOAT because he is a fan, he's a geek, and he truly cares about the work. And I know he loves us all, and he loves people copying those Easter eggs. And I'm not sure if anyone had really caught that before, but yes, Midnight Mass makes a cameo in this movie. I just had to say it. So Natalia, you're number three. Um, before we get to that, uh to continue on your little Easter egg thing, Mike Flanagan does that. He did that with um, Hill House. He put Dr. Sleep in the end of the show, nearing the end. Uh, I remember it was something of a Steve fake dream thing. Um, I think, was that when it was? I think so. Um, when he put in Dr. Sleep and his wife was reading Dr. Sleep. Uh, oh. Okay, so my, do you remember that? No, I'm, I'm going to look it up on YouTube as soon as we're finished filming and I'll tweet it out if it's correct. I'm right. I know you Mike are. Mike Flanagan said so himself. <laughs> no. Um, my number three is Bly Manor. Um, yeah. We did just talk about this, but I really love the show because it shows a lot of the diversification of horror. That is a constant theme that I've been saying about this show. It's the fluidity of horror and the fact that it is not about scares or, or jump scares or anything. It is about the emotive, cathartic, and responsive reactions that one has to horror which is usually based around characters and situations because what would we as an entertainment be if we did not want to watch other people and experience their plights in hope that we not only can gain a catharsis from them but have an understanding of them as ourselves that's it it's very sad and very queer which is also a thumbs up for me Bly Manor is very sad. You know, I think the last episode of The Haunting of Bly Manor is truly, I said this about The Haunting of Hill House in our first episode, that episode six is one of the best hours of television I've ever seen. Well, I would also say the same that when it comes to Bly Manor, the final episode, I would say Bly Manor, episode nine, and Ozark, you know, episode, season three, episode 10 or episode nine are two of the saddest episodes of television I've ever seen. Just pure heartbreak. And I think I truly felt that in Bly Manor. It was just so very sad. But moving on, because Bly Manor is my number five, my number two is, it's like ranking children, you guys. It truly is. And I I can bet that maybe me and Natalia have the same number two and number one. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that we do. But number two for me is The Haunting of Hill House. The Haunting of Hill House, as I've said, is just a complete and utter masterpiece. There's no other word for it. Mike Flanagan pours, I think, so much effort and craft into this entire show. You can see it. Everything comes full circle. You know, I, I love when that happens in shows, when everything comes together. And particularly in Hill House, it comes together in such a beautiful little bow. I know some people have complained about the ending. 
I love the ending. I just love how, I don't know, it was so sad and heartbreaking, but also tragic, but they got to, you know, they all got to live and they all get to live. You know, I don't mean live. I mean, they actually get to live their lives free of the shackles of trauma that have been shackled onto them. And they weren't, haven't been able to break out of them for so long, you know, and Hill House, it's so sad, but it's also so beautiful. It's scary. It's so good to look at, like visually, it's stunning. Um, so I can't recommend Haunting a Pill House enough. I think it's an amazing, I was going to say movie, because it, it kind of is a bit of a movie. If you watch it all through, it could be a movie, but it's an amazing piece of television. And I think it's an amazing piece of horror that will go down into history. Try number two. Well, now I'm embarrassed to say. <laughs> Oh, no. he's going to kill me, isn't he? No! Um, <laughs> yes! Yes! I have to be honest with myself. You know that. You know that I am not without critiques of anything. Um, my number two is Dr. Sleep. And I feel so bad saying that. But my number two is Dr. Sleep because I walked out of that film and I did not like the ending. Um, mainly just because the last 30 minutes or so were shining and I'm not a particularly huge fan of the shining. Ben, it looks like he's going to have a conniption. Um, I am so sorry. I will admit that where this, um, where this film really gets me is Again, it's a character study. It's a lot of just amazing characters. No, um, it's a lot of just amazing characters and their trauma and, and a hope that it does not become continual and generational. Um, and fuck, God, Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hat is, She's she's a goddamn masterpiece, that lady. I love her to death. Um I both Rebecca and Rose. Love them. Love them, love them, love them. Um I I really I have such it, this is it was a very difficult thing for me to put this here, but that just is mainly because I really I did not vibe with the ending. Um but everything else leading up to it. And I think it was, I think this just has to do with the fact that even though I had no idea what was gonna happen, and even when we did get to The Shining, I was like, okay, not really loving it. But Abra and Rosie are gonna have a huge mental battle. But then she was just used as the bait. And it was like, it's a hopeful thing as you're watching where it's like, oh, this is gonna be so much more and so much bigger. But I can totally see as to why and how they did what they did. They allowed Abra as the bait to get her out. They had the battle between Dan and Rosie as him facing generational trauma and his overcoming 
of all of those literal ghosts and demons inside of him. And to have him be sucked up by it and be hunting Abra, just like how his father did, is not only a great thing to mirror, um, but it also shows that the... There is so much more of a closeness um, in sadly a very negative way between um, Jack and Danny. We have it with alcohol, with their relationship with their alcoholism, excuse me. And we have it with the final demon ghost intake and this drive of familial finality um and i love this because it's amazingly thematic but the setting just i it's it's honestly just that and which just truly comes down to the problems with it could not have been truly fulfilled like how it was in the book doctor sleep because of the way that the shining had finished it's a lot of responding to what came before. And that I truly think is a great theme in this film. Um, Mike was able to understand and to build upon what had come before. Danny was able to do the same. And although he did suffer a fate that maybe is even worse than death, um, although it is not purgatory, um, he will still be a mentor to Abra, just like how Halloran was. A lot of it is just a wheel and cause a wheel doc. Um, and you, you have so much of a vast world that could be greater explored, um, even though truly we don't know if that'll end up being the case. Um, but just like with Hill and Bly, um, when I first heard that there was gonna be a season two of Bly, I was like, I can, I don't really get the reason because you're just going to watch another group of people suffer in a very large house. Um, and Mike was able to overcome that by allowing a different alteration of horror to jump into there. Um, and if there is ever a third, or if The Shining does become a trilogy, um, or even a show on Hulu, please, um, or what have you, um, or HBO Max, sorry, HBO Max, I was thinking of Daredevil. Um, I, I do have a little bit of a problem with that because you can only do so much of the same. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so sad now that I've said all of this because I'm like, I'm looking at, I'm looking at my DVD and I'm just like, there was so much good in this and it is nearly perfect, but the ending, although it is amazingly thematically sound, just does not, I don't like it. Okay, that's it. I'm so sorry, Ben, you can kill me after. That's okay, but I'm just telling the, everyone that my number one is the, it is indeed the Doctor Sleep 
Hey, Dr. Sleep, director's cut, theatrical cut, doesn't matter. It's Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep is life. It's my life. It's my, it's my reason for being. Dr. Sleep is phenomenal. So I understand 100% what you're saying, Natalia. I myself, I'm not the biggest fan of The Shining, but I still like connecting these two films, these two amazing movies. I just enjoyed having that connective tissue between the two of them. So I, I can understand that you're not being a fan of The Shining, not liking that. And the ending itself, I think the ending of Abra walking into the bathroom and closing the door, you know, and dealing with her ghosts, you know, doing something that it took Dan so long to do. I really love it. Look, I just love the ending myself. Again, I understand. It's like Mike Flanagan means so much to both of us. His work is just phenomenal. You know, he really just understands how to capture these certain themes. And if these themes mean a lot to you, like you might not have to be connected to them in any way. They could just be something that you resonate with. Uh, it's just, I think that they're amazing things that need to be talked about more. And I think that Dr. Sleep is the best example in all of his work about these like themes of addiction, about, you know, like hereditary stuff like, you know, like clearly because like he doesn't want the sins of the father to follow through through him. He wants to be different. He wants to set himself on a different path. He doesn't want to be a broken man. So all of these things, you know, and it just being such a, I also think it's a beautiful movie. Like it's, it's like a movie right out of like the 1950s or like old Hollywood. It really feels like the type of movie that isn't made anymore. Like the editing, the production design, it's really glossy. It's classy. It's like a classic horror movie. And I think it will be remembered as such. It's, I just, it's my type of thing. And I understand you putting it at number two. I'm not going to go after you in any way. It's all down to personal preference. But my personal preference is that Dr. Sleep is a masterpiece. It's Mike Flanagan's masterpiece. I hope he can top it one day. I think it's an interesting challenge for him. I think he can do it. I think he's pretty amazing. So, you know, Dr. Sleep is my number one. I feel very stupid for saying that we would have a similar number one and number two now. I shouldn't have said anything. But um, yeah, Dr. Sleep it. is, I jinxed it. I did indeed. Yeah. So that was my number one. Natalia, please tell everyone what your number one is. My number one is Hill House. Um, I don't really want to say everything that I said in the first episode, because that is, again, a lot of the more of the same, but I will just sum up. I love the color in the show. I love the characters. I love the interconnectedness. I love their response to the trauma. And I think that's great. And I love the kind of like mysticism of it um, because it isn't magical and it's not really explained. Um, and I'm kind of okay with that, which is weird because I just went off about Dr. Sleep and whatever. I don't know. It's, it's, I have a different connection with, um, Hill House than I do with Dr. Sleep. And I think that has to do with the fact that Hill House was like semi-forced on me, whereas, Dr. Sleep, I did out of my own fruition. And I went in with my own preconceived notions, but of, of Hill House, sorry, of Hill House, but I didn't really have anything. And I, because I didn't really know what was going to happen for Dr. Sleep, I went out a little disappointed, but I left with um, a lot of love for Rebecca Ferguson and Rose the Hat. Um, and that I feel like is the best outcome of it. <laughs> All right, I'm done. And we're done. This is 
the finale of the Spooky Council mini-series. Yes, this mini-series yes. of the Spooky Socialists spooky. coming together and giving you all, hopefully, a guide to having a safe Halloween inside. Uh, I'm wearing this mask for a reason. You got to wear your mask if you go outside. Don't um, be stupid. Um, so, yeah, you know, I really hope that you take on our advice and invest in some Netflix accounts and some 4K Blu-rays or whatever you have it. And you just you watch Mike Flanagan because uh, he's perfect. There's nothing wrong with him whatsoever. Um, and you watch. I hope that you take on board some of the things we've said and that you enjoy these movies because you need to you also need to watch them. Nobody has seen Mike Flanagan's films. And it's honestly a tragedy. Like he's one of the best directors, not just horror directors, but directors working like a lot of people say that Jordan Peele is the new kind of guiding force of horror. I would say that Mike Flanagan is also up there with him. I think he's as good in elevating voices and talking about these very important things. Obviously, they're different to what Jordan Peele talks about, but I think they both make quality content that talks about things that need to be talked about even more. And I think both men are doing amazing work. And they both deserve to be heralded as such. So thank you so much for going on this journey with us. I hope you all have enjoyed it as much as we have. And I hope you all have a happy Halloween. Peace. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs>